Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. When a space anomaly plunges the Enterprise into an alternate timeline, only Guinan is aware that something is off. But to correct the timeline, the Enterprise will have to lose all that they know and say goodbye to a crewman. From February 17th, 1990, it's Season 3, Episode 15, Yesterday's Enterprise. Or, Klingon bastards, you've killed my timeline! <laughs> I'm Cam, that's Dan, and fucking Yar Queen! <laughs> Oh, Daniel. Yeah. Daniel, yeah. welcome. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to season three. The part that we all love so fucking much. <laughs> it took, what is this, 60 episodes? <laughs> but we're here. We are here. We are here, and we've got over 100 left, and I, I'm hoping most are of this quality, but this is like... Yeah, this is this is up there with like City on the Edge of Forever. This is a this is a Absolutely. good episode. This is real, this is real poignant, heartfelt, and well executed. It doesn't get like slavishly devoted to a single character's perspective or something, or like on this special episode of Star <laughs> Trek: The Next Generation, <laughs> Worf comes to terms with his changing body. Like it's not. It doesn't have any of the the pitfalls of like the original series had to revolve around Kirk, Spock, or McCoy, period. To see it expanded throughout perspectives that like it just gives it a much more emotional resonance and uh allowed I think to fix the big mistake in a hurried send off to uh a character absolutely they got to they got to fix it cameron they got to fix it you never get to do that i know and they did <laughs> oh i just i adore all of it i mm. um let's get into the thing because we have so much to talk about so yes we do on start at 43625.2 the enterprise drops out of warp and we see guinan serving wharf in 10 forward a warrior's drink Prune juice, <laughs> which comes back, by the way, and I'm so glad it does. Uh, also, giving constipation <laughs> is dishonorable. You're goddamn right, it does. Um, and it is, and also giving him dating advice, which was cute and sexy and just, just amazing, tip top shape. And I mean, I just wanted that scene to go on just a second longer for her to be like, Worf. I'm trying to say I'd like to fuck you. God. Oh, okay. Suddenly, the shift encounters a rift in space-time. As they monitor the anomaly, a heavily damaged Ambassador-class USS Enterprise-C, a ship believed to have been destroyed more than two decades earlier, emerges. Instantly, the Enterprise-D undergoes a sudden and radical change from its current timeline. It is now a warship, and the Federation is at war with the Klingons. Neither Worf nor Counselor Troy are seen or referred to because they were ripped out of the timeline. 
And our dear Yarqueen, who was killed years before, is now running the tactical station. None of the crew noticed the change, but Guinan senses the reality has shifted and has a meeting with Captain Picard to discuss her concerns. She senses that there are supposed to be children on the ship, which of course is completely impractical on a warship. She suggests that the Enterprise C does not belong in this time and must return to the past. Picard knows that this would be a suicide mission and refuses to give such an order based on Guinan's intuition alone. Captain Rachel Garrett, our original badass motherfucker of the Enterprise C, and her crew learn they have traveled into the future. Garrett explains that they were responding to a distress call from the Klingon outpost on Narita 3 and were attacked by Romulan starships. While the crew works to repair the Enterprise C and tend to the crew's injuries, Picard and his command staff discuss whether or not the ship should return to the past. Commander Riker argues that their deaths would be meaningless, but Data suggests that it would be considered an honorable act by the Klingons. Picard discusses the situation with Garrett, who tells him that her crew will serve the Federation in the present. Picard quietly reveals to her that the Federation is on the verge of defeat, and the presence of one ship will make no difference. But if the Enterprise C were to return to the past, they might prevent the war from even starting. Garrett agrees and announces to her crew that they will return through the anomaly. At that moment, the two starships are ambushed by a Klingon bird of prey, and Garrett is tragically killed by getting shrapnel through her forehead. Her helmsman, Lieutenant Richard Castilla, played by our dear Christopher McDonald. Vintage Christopher McDonald, who has aged like a fine wine, but... So pretty. <laughs> Lord. Anyway, Lieutenant Richard Castillo takes command. Due to the repair efforts, Yar has become close to Castillo and has been unnerved by tense interactions with Guinan, who looks like she's seen a ghost. Guinan reveals to Yar that she knows that she died a meaningless death in the other timeline and that the two should never have met. Based on her discussion with Guinan, Yar requests a transfer to the Enterprise C, which is granted reluctantly by Picard. As the Enterprise C prepares to return through the anomaly, three Klingon battlecruisers attack with the anomaly becoming unstable. Picard orders the Enterprise D to cover the Enterprise C's withdrawal. The Enterprise D suffers major crew losses under the Klingon barrage, including a gruesome death for Commander Riker, forcing Picard to man the tactical station himself. With the Enterprise D on the brink of destruction, the Enterprise C traverses the anomaly, triggering the return to the original timeline. Everything is restored, and Guinan is the only one who is subtly aware of what has transpired. She kindly asks Jordi LaForge to tell her more about Yar. And so ends yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, man. Aye. Aye, aye, aye. Aye, aye, aye. Pretty good. So many feelings. Pretty good shit. Pretty good shit. I... I would just like to say that this is Iris Stephen Bear's some of his finest work besides Deep Space Nine. And it just, it proves why he is so legendary in the Star Trek community. Now, okay. There's a lot of credits on this yes. teleplay. <laughs> Iris Stephen Bear, Richard Manning, Hans Beamler, Beamler Ronald D. Moore. And story by. From... Yeah, from a story by Tredge Christopher Ganino and Eric A. Stilwell. So that is, in addition to the customary created by Gene Roddenberry writing credit, we've got six different 
names on this thing. We do. So was what this, happened? Was this much? Did it need a lot oh of work? My God, this is actually one of the most complex, um, coming to fruition stories in Star Trek's history. There is actually, it's out of published. It's out of print now but it's a book that's about this thick called writing yesterday's enterprise and it's just it's entirely about this episode coming into being and everyone who was behind this cannot believe it turned out as well as it did because it was such a mess getting here but uh essentially what happened is trent and eric were untested writers and they loved the premise but um, and actually, our dear Melinda M. Snodgrass, as as story supervisor, said, this story is promising. We should work on it. And more and more people were brought in. And over time, it became more and more convoluted and then was simplified and then more convoluted. And just, yeah, it's it's miraculous it ever came into being. But, oh, what a miracle. I just, I can't even. I, I can't even. Daniel, tell me. Please, everything you loved about this episode. I loved the seamless transition into timelines. Just like, well, this one's broken. Bloop, just dropped it. And here comes like not even seeing the the easy the easier time travel narrative that's easier to get around would be like an alternate future, alternate version, mirror universe style, right? rather than having something from the past where it shouldn't be and having that instantaneously change the timeline. That's not as common or prevailing a time travel idea that if something from the past were to come to the present, that the present would cease to be. People usually opt for branching timelines. It's like, oh, well, you know, that our timeline still exists, but to wipe the board and just say, nope, we pulled this piece. So now everything is different. Lends itself to less of a branching theory of timeline and like a unified single stream of like, you can't change anything without changing everything and nothing can continue to exist, which makes time travel much more fraught and perilous and makes me question extra hard all the time travel from the original <laughs> series because I don't think they're playing by the same rules, goddammit, which we'll get to. I'm sure but we will. I I loved that instantaneous transition. I liked seeing the uniforms, which I'm pretty sure were just the dress uniforms with a belt. <laughs> I was like, that's eh, not... I, for a second, I was like, we do get a mirror universe. I was like, oh, it's it's not. It's okay, but... I really enjoyed seeing Tasha come back. Honestly, that was, uh, it was unexpected how much I enjoyed that. Cause we got to see her actually like do the thing. I'm like, oh, so if the show had been as good as it got when she was on it originally, she could have had a more fulfilled and interesting role instead of Absolutely. just, I banged data one time. <laughs> Absolutely. Supposedly, and I can't confirm this, this is just rumor mill, but she um, met one of the writers at a, or one of the producers, I can't remember what, but met someone at a convention because she had been con attending conventions since even she was done with season one and was like, sure, she, why leave money yeah, on the table? Why? 
and especially when you're adored, and people do adore Tasha, rightfully so, and partly because of this episode. Um, but she was like, you know, I do miss everyone. It would be really fun if you could bring me back for like an episode or something. And I, th- I think that's actually where it got so complicated is they had all of these ideas that they just managed to bring together. Yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot of pieces up in the air. You've got a Tasha, Tasha's return. You've got Guinan in a pivotal role. You're taking Worf and Troy off the board completely, managing to keep Wesley and make him not annoying. And um, a full ensign. <laughs> and a full ensign, right. There's a lot of moving pieces and this is why television is a collaborative medium. There were so many people involved with the writing. It's directed so well. The lighting, the set, when they go to that second Enterprise deck, when they're in the, the war version of the mm-hmm. D, do we have a name it's for that? It's just the Warship D. I mean, it's it's not the, the Warship Starship D. Enterprise. It's the Warship Enterprise. Oh, I see. I was going to say, the Warship D was my nickname in college. Um, yeah? Huh, yeah, mo- mostly because I was I was bloated and unnecessary and should have been trimmed from the budget a long time ago. I Oh, damn. I was going to say, I never got to take the Warship D for a spin. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't want to. Too much armor plating and the gun's range was actually not as advertised. <laughs> the contract that was involved in the creation of the warship D was just, uh, it was much maligned, very, very drudgerous process. (laughs) I, when we switch over to the warship enterprise, they lit it like a movie. I'm like, Oh, they're on a better lot. They're on a much better (laughs) lot for this. Uh, I was like, this looks really good. (laughs) The lighting, the camera work, the intensity, it's a little dark, especially for network television in the 80s. But God damn it, if it doesn't just feel more intensely sci-fi all of a sudden. Oh, I'm like, absolutely. Just turn it down a little bit. The future can't be too bright because you're in space and light's hard in space. It's absolute darkness. <laughs> well, and Picard um, being lit from below after they after they I know. transferred times, it was just like, ugh. Such a nice shot yeah. cut. Just, just And then to reverse it when they come back at the end that was the other thing i liked the symmetry of i liked seeing picard in a command role in a war zone and not just like a, oh shit i guess this is a battle situation but no like you know like this picard was the very model of a modern major general indeed. and <laughs> when he picked up the tactical position at the end of the episode and was like you know like hell that was that was fantastic i i like the little ways that they uh subverted our expectations i was like oh christ now we're gonna see Worf, but he's the commander of a klingon ship oh no we didn't that's great that's that was nice i'm like oh we're gonna see we're gonna see troy but now she does interrogations and said oh no we did they didn't i was like they didn't just do a they didn't go full mirror universe. They didn't just flip it and go, but opposite. <laughs> but opposite. Yeah, no, that's true. No, it felt more complicated. It felt more adult. It felt more nuanced. I was really pleased to see Guinan in it as much as she was. And they didn't have Tasha like go off into the sunset and blow shit up. 
or have this like glorious, amazing death. Like basically they winked out of existence. We don't really know what happened. We can't say maybe in another episode, they'll get into like, oh, well, here's what happened. And maybe Tasha's actually alive, but it's a different timeline, Tasha or something. I don't know. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe they won't. But for now, as a single self-contained story, don't give me that look. (laughs) As a single self-contained story, this worked very well. This was an excellent episode of television. Very quotable. Incredibly. Time travel that, while not my favorite theory of time travel, did function really well for the storytelling mechanics. Absolutely. And didn't necessarily make you go, eh, because they at least, even if the rules weren't great, they played by their own rules. So they set it up, and then they reversed it. And that's kind of all you can ask for in an hour, you know, a 45-minute time travel story. (laughs) It's true. It's true. So if I'm hearing you correctly, does this time travel episode get your stamp of approval? It does. It doesn't get a stamp of rejection. (laughs) Well, that's that's a step above everything that we've ever done before. So with time travel, yes, because up until this point, Star Trek has royally fucked up time travel and sucked ass at it. And this is fine. It's not great, but it's it's fine. I think time travel works best when you are when your protagonists are having an impact on on timelines and they have to make a choice, which did happen here, but it was in a less we'll get into it with my with my negatives because there are a couple. But I was so impressed by Denise Crosby's ability to slip back into the role and to feel growth in it. Right? She's not the same actress she was two years ago. She's, I, I felt like she was more Tasha than she had been. I agree. And she didn't have to be a space cheerleader. <laughs> or a space tough girl. That's pretty much what they gave her. The first season of this show is pretty bad. Oh, I know. Cameron. It's I agree bad. with you. There are there are standouts. There are wonderful episodes, mm-hmm. but they're not. There is not a truly exceptional episode in season one. Season two, yeah, absolutely, but season one, no, nope, 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 nope. And to have to give her a proper send off without putting a hat on it or making it into this huge ordeal, I thought was really nice, and I thoroughly enjoyed. I'm so glad. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so glad. So, I I don't even know where to begin. I I'm going to start with the Enterprise C. This now in canon, as far as you have come, we know four of the five Enterprises. The original, the refit, which is also the refit. The Enterprise A, the Enterprise C, and the Enterprise D. So is there an Enterprise B out there? There is. Am I going to see that in Discovery? No. Or no, you no Picard. Nope. You're going to see it in the first movie. The movies. Oh, oh, generations. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I mean, it. Because I was going to say, because the Enterprise refit gets blown up. The Enterprise A gets. No, the Enterprise A doesn't. We never see the Enterprise A get blown up. Which one gets blown up? The refit. Yeah. The refit gets blown up, and then we get the A. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, so the refit gets blown up in search for Spock, and we get the A at the end of Voyage Home. Right. And we think it's going to be the Excelsior, but it's revealed to be the Enterprise A. You remember, flying around space, Doc. Mm. In the conference room, and we never, we hardly ever get to see, but there are 
little emblems and little hints of the other enterprises. And so to actually get to see the Enterprise C in person is just, it makes my little nerd heart orgasm with joy every time. I love it so much. I love how carefully they designed the Ambassador class to look like a previous Galaxy class. I love that it just, I mean, I love that they brought back the movie uniforms, you know, to prove that it hasn't been that long since they were changed. I love that Captain Rachel Garrett is a badass. Um, I wish they would have given her a more meaningful death, but... I was going to say, is she our first canonical female captain of the Enterprise then? She is. Well, female captain, period, question mark? No, we had that movie. And we also had, um, remember in season one, when they were fighting off the little crickety things, there was female right. captain there. But she is right. she's the only canonical female captain of the Enterprise, unfortunately. Well, the Enterprise has only had three canonical captains. That's true. No, four because of Scott Bakula, because that's the Enterprise too, right? Yeah, but that's not considered this Enterprise. That is NX Enterprise. So it's like the original. It's a prequel. It's a prequel prequel. It takes place 100 years before Kirk. So That sounds like a waste of my time. It's not. Well, kind of. Um, <laughs> if you love Scott Bakula, it's not a waste of your time. Um, and I mean, they do some fun things. After you get that far into canon, they do do some really fun fan service. Well, I guess I'll get there eventually. We will. Fuck. <laughs> At least it's going to be five years and not eight now. Who knows? Who can say? We could all be dead. I was going to say we might be dead tomorrow. Hard to say. But meanwhile, we continue onward. Um, I love Denise Crosby's performance. It's just exceptional. And I love her and Whoopi Goldberg's chemistry. It always makes me go, you know, it just, it gets me right here. Because they're just. Ugh, what could have been? Yeah. So good. And. I always forget that the little, the initial scene is in this episode. I always forget that Garnon and Worf are talking about the ladies and prune juice. And I just, I adore it so much. I, ugh, it's so good. And I, I, I love the plot. I love, I mean, I will get more into it during time travel, during your negatives, I'm sure. But I just, yeah, I want to hear more about that because I, I don't know what time travel philosophy I subscribe to or if it's even possible, but I'm not going to lie that what happened at the end of Avengers Endgame kind of pissed me off. <laughs> the going back to like end the branching. Well, no, but I mean like to like clip the branches. Oh, you mean you mean Cap showing up? Yeah. Going back and living an entirely separate life and thinking that will have no effect on the timeline. I just ugh. anyway. Fascinating. That is laughable considering how you bent over backwards when we were watching the original series to say, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> no, you just go fast enough around the earth and you time travel, it's fine. That was, I mean, that is a viable way to travel through time. However, and it's not the earth, Cameron. it's the sun. <laughs> um, <laughs> however. We're not, we're not, we're not bringing that That was still up. when I, um thought I had to argue with you for people to listen to the show. And now I realize that people are just not going to listen to the show. So it's fine. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> too close to home. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think we'll always be different enough in our sensibilities that even as I come to love Star Trek more and more, you know, someday I'll, I might even be considered a Trekkie by some someday. <laughs> 
not for years and years. I hate but, to break it to you, but you already are. Fuck you. You go fuck yourself. I mean, depends on whether you subscribe to Trekkie or Trekker, but... Trekker? Do yeah, people say that? People are like, no, I'm not a Trekkie. I'm a Trekker. And I'm like... Mm. To be fair, the people who are fans of Doctor Who and call themselves Whovians, I think, is so stupid. When Austin pointed out, you could call yourself a Hoonatic. <laughs> yeah, that was one of his better bits, Come I on. must say. Yeah. Look, this episode's really fucking good, okay? They they don't hobble us with like, oh, well, Picard's the star, so it's got to be a Picard thing, but they don't, and they don't shoehorn us into, well, Guinan's the only one who knows what's up, so we have to follow her the whole time. Yeah. They allow for more complex storytelling. They trust in their ensemble. We get to see people die. We do. I loved Riker's death and Picard's reaction. Like, that was fucking awesome. They 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 used the conventions of it's an alternate timeline. We can have higher stakes and let shit get real because we just get to wave we our do. hands. Like if they don't do something that extreme, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's it's like back yeah. to the future. Until Marty starts disappearing, you don't give a shit. Like you have to feel those stakes. It has to matter. It has to be it life does. or death. And they do that very effectively. But it wasn't all poignant emotional send-offs to characters who got shortchanged because they didn't want to stick around on a show that was yet fully formed, was it, Cameron? That was exceptional. No, no, we, no, it was not. So my question to you, Cameron. Yes, Daniel. When it comes to things I didn't like, which is not a long list, if we were to say, pull a a ship out of, I don't know, a pivotal battle from World War II. Like if we were to take, take some ships out of D-Day, let's say, and just transport them to today, would we all be speaking German? I honestly don't know. It's, it's an incredibly challenging question. I mean, it would depend on who was on that ship and how they affected that battle. But because... I've and I mean I that's the other thing that I love about this is the canon implications because this is the first time we get to hear about how the Klingons truly declared peace with the Federation and it's because of one ship's glorious sacrifice in that in a hopeless battle against a mutual enemy that is literally what what was the catalyst for peace and I thought I thought that it was at the end of Star Trek 6. <laughs> that was the start. That was the sign that was the signing of the original Kittimer Accords, which So that was that was the ceasefire. That's what made yeah, it possible. It, it was the ceasefire, but this is like an alliance. The alliance that is currently So see, that was my issue. Canagogically. canonically. Canon if we were at a point where ceasefire was possible at the end of six, there could have been no other diplomatic action that could have gotten us to alliance. Well, this was the only possibility. That just tells me that the Federation's attempts at diplomacy after that ceasefire were pathetic. That there was nothing they could do and nowhere to go, and that there was either some cultural boundaries that they just could not bridge, or that 
they're inept and that they only get people to join the Federation when they can offer them superior technology. And that it is, in fact, a horrifying vision of the future, where it is this totalitarian state that uh, strong arms independent planets into being forced to join. Think as you will. Um, I honestly think it was a little of column A and a little, little of column B. These people had been enemies for 200 years. There was a lot of ill feeling and just distrust in general. And when a group of humans and a group from the Federation knew they were outgunned and decided to stand their ground anyway, it proved to the Klingons that they were honorable. It proved that these people were actually worth their time, that there was hope they were a people that they could rely on for the first time ever, because that's that hadn't been the case. I mean, there are so many episodes of the original series where, you know, it was just weird political almost war just barely hanging on to peace it's it's trying to paint a picture that things weren't good between these two groups of people and i mean sometimes that is what it takes is a gesture of just courage a gesture of sheer courage to change your mind about someone and i have always adored that it was not only captain rachel garrett but that it was the enterprise and that it was that it met a horrible death, like just completely destroyed, all hands lost, but that it was the catalyst for this, for the era that we're in now, that there is a Klingon on the bridge of the Enterprise D, that there is constant communication between the two groups, that the neutral zone doesn't even exist. The Romulan neutral zone exists, but the Klingon neutral zone does not. They're just, they're partners. They're hanging out. They're doing stuff. They're having a great time. And I just, I... I've always loved that. And it might just be my narrow view of time. <laughs> but I, I've always found that incredibly beautiful and an incredibly wonderful addition to canon. I thought it was a very clever bit of storytelling to incorporate this into canon. Look, Montana and Wyoming have been neighbors since Wyoming was incorporated as a territory in 1868, Correct. I think. And Montana was 1864. So, you know, it's been over 150 years of animosity and relentless <laughs> hatred. And we haven't yet had our, what was the name of this station? Uh, Narendra 3 was the station. Montana and Wyoming have yet to have their Narendra 3. So who am I to, who am I to say that this, that there won't be some singular great event possibly in East Dakota, where, uh, you know, we come together. But I You're think... You're just pissed that we still have all of Yellowstone, except for the one office which makes the decisions. Well, I mean, you say we, but I'm a New Yorker. I live in New York. Yeah. I, I think that I just don't prescribe to the theory of time travel where you can pluck something out of the past and then the entire timeline that has happened since then ceases to be. Like, that could have an effect, but it should cause a branching timeline because this has already happened. And so you're either all time is happening at the same time and therefore it can't overlap or there is a linear structure to it in some regard in which case there is something to restore i understand that time is an illusion that helps us make sense of things but i'm just saying it doesn't 
while they follow the rules of their own theory in this episode for time travel, it's not a good theory. I mean, that makes sense. It is one they're going to come back to, just so you know. Well, I'll buckle up. But uh, And I know. hope that you can enjoy what's coming as much as you enjoyed this episode. Oh, this was a really good episode. I really did enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm pissed I'm never going to get a Mirror Universe episode, but this is a good substitute. Well, not out of this series, but you will out of the others. Well, that's great. Um, wait, what do you do if your captain already has facial hair? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question, Dan. I guess you'll just have to keep watching to find out. I guess we'll find out. So wait, when they do Spock and Discovery, he has a beard. So when they do the Mirror Universe episode, does he not have a beard? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We better move on to quotes. So this episode is going to be two hours long. That's okay. It's it's a good one. One more ship will make no difference in the here and now. But 22 years ago, one ship could have stopped this war before it started. That's another thing. I'm like, God damn it, he trusts Guinan so much that like they must have a different relationship in this timeline because while I think he appreciates her and does trust her to some extent, I don't think she has a track record in the current timeline aside from like cat hands against <laughs> Q to really back up that level of trust. <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, they brought up all kinds of other things from other characters, just little plot points to like bring it home to him. It's not just her. Right. You know, she did say this is wrong, but, and I mean, he believed her, but like it was data saying, you know, if they did all die, that would be considered an honorable act for the Klingons and blah, blah, blah. You know, just little touches like that is what makes this truly exceptional for me. But we're talking quotes, so yeah. let's quote this. You ready? You ready, Guinan? Mm-hmm. Yep. Tasha, you're not supposed to be here. Where am I supposed to be? Dead. Do you know how? No. But I do know it was an empty death. A death without purpose. So, you know, suck it. <laughs> Attention all hands. As you know, we could outrun the Klingon vessels, but we must protect the Enterprise C until she enters the Temporal Rift. And we must succeed. Let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. Picard out. You know, you always drink alone. It wouldn't hurt you to sink out a little. I would require a Klingon woman for companionship. Earth females are too fragile. Not all of them. There are a few on this ship that uh, would find you tame. <laughs> Impossible. You never know until you try. Then I will never know. Coward. <laughs> so fucking good. Every fiber of my being says that this is a mistake. I can't explain it to myself, so I can't explain it to you. I only know that I'm right. 
And then if you blow my cover, then my ex-boyfriend who's a mobster is going to kill me. So please, <laughs> please, hide me. I will follow him. <laughs> Wherever he may go. Who is to say that this history is any less proper than the other? I suppose I am. Not good enough, damn it. Not good enough. I will not ask them to die. Forty billion people have already died. This war's not supposed to be happening. You've got to send those people back to correct this. And what is to guarantee that if they go back, they will succeed? Every instinct is telling me this is wrong. It is dangerous. It is futile. We've known each other a long time. You have never known me to impose myself on anyone or take a stance based on trivial or whimsical perceptions. This timeline must not be allowed to continue. Now I've told you what you must do. You have only your trust in me to help you decide to do it. It's an earth drink, prune juice. A warrior's drink. <laughs> the Enterprise C will be destroyed. But Captain, at least with someone at Tactical, they will have a chance to defend themselves well. It may be a matter of seconds or minutes, but those could be the minutes that change history. Gaiden says I died a senseless death in the other timeline. I don't like the sound of that, Captain. I've always known the risks that come with a Starfleet uniform. If I'm to die in one, I'd like my death to count for something. <laughs> Yar Queen. Yar Queen. I've been working with one of the officers on the Enterprise C. He's nice. I, I like him. I'm worried about what's going to happen to him. We may never know what happens. If they succeed, we will not even realize that these events occurred. The war is going very badly for the Federation. Far worse than is generally known. Starfleet Command believes that defeat is inevitable. Within six months, we may have no choice but to surrender. Are you saying that all this may be the result of our arrival here? One more ship will make no difference in the here and now. But 22 years ago, one ship could have stopped this war before it started. The Romulans will get a good fight. We'll make it one for the history books. And then she dies. Yep. That was the other thing. Is I just I wish they would have given her more. But they wanted... They wanted our ultimate man pretty pansexual to take the lead, so that way Tasha had a reason to there go back. There you go. Oh, okay. You must have some idea of how things have changed. I look at things. I look at people, and they just don't feel right. What things? What people? You. Your uniform. The bridge. What's the matter with the bridge? It's not right. It's the same bridge. Nothing has changed. I know that. I also know it's wrong. What else? Families. There should be children on this ship. What? Children on the Enterprise? Guinan, we're at war. No, we're not. At least, we're not supposed to be. This is not a ship of war. This is a ship of peace. What you're suggesting? I'm not suggesting. That ship from the past is not supposed to be here. It's got to go back. There is a high degree of probability that the temporal rift is symmetrical, Captain. And what would happen if the Enterprise-C were to fly back through it? 
Bexer. The Enterprise C would emerge in her own time, at almost the same instant she left. Right in the middle of the battle with the Romulans? Yes, sir. Is there any possibility she could survive? None, sir. And sending them back would be a death sentence. Jordy, tell me about Tasha Yar. Captain, you need at least another 24 hours. Nonsense. Doctors always overprotect their patients. And captains always push themselves too hard. Doctor, my ship and my crew need me now. 24 hours might as well be 24 years. Captain, this is Guinan. Is everything all right up there? Guinan? Yes, everything's fine. Is, is something wrong? No. No, everything's fine. Sorry to bother you. Most everyone calls me Castillo. My mother calls me Richard. Okay, Castillo. No, I think maybe I'd like it better if you called me Richard. Richard. Dick! Definitely Federation Starship. Accessing registry. Looks like they had a rough ride. NCC 1701C. USS Enterprise. Federation Ship Enterprise, surrender and prepare to be boarded. That will be the day. <laughs> and then he leaps over and he starts shooting at yeah, him. he does. So good. I, um, <sighs> something I forgot to mention is it's not explicitly stated in this episode, but it's cleared up later. Um, the reason that this started the war is that the fact that the Enterprise C was there and then disappeared makes it seem like they cut and run and that they're cowards. And so that was the last straw. Mm. whereas dying honorable deaths helped be a catalyst of peace them attempting to come to a rescue and then saying never mind psych sorry it was the catalyst for war and that's i think that's beautiful i love that that makes some sense some semblance of sense some semblance of sense as far as time travel is concerned <laughs> Oh, Daniel. <laughs> Cameron, how many Enterprise Type Cs would you give this episode? This is my first five. Wow. I know it's not perfect, but it just, it means so much to me. I can't even really describe. And I'm not alone. This always makes everyone's top 10 list, top 10 episode list, and rightfully so. But I, mm. yeah, this is my first five. Fair enough. What about you, Dan? I'll give it a 4.6. Five. Wow. Is that your highest? I know. Just got to throw off your numbers a little bit with a non-easy one. Oh, that'll be fine. I don't give a shit about 6.5. <laughs> okay. 4.65213. No, I'm still rounding it, so. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, well. What a damn fine episode. I'm so glad you think so. What if I just hated it? If I just like couldn't get over the like bad time travel logic, just be like, I can't enjoy any of the storytelling, Cameron, because the time travel mechanic they used, I'm like, is this even a sci-fi show? <laughs> is it even? Well, then, if you were to travel back and tell your past self how much this episode sucks, and I guess we wouldn't be friends anymore. And you'd, ha I mean, I guess we wouldn't be friends anymore, and your future self would have to travel back in time and tell you to rectify that situation before. <laughs> Cameron. It would take a poorly conceived bullshit time travel paradox for me to stop being your friend. <laughs> That's so sweet, pal. Thanks. It would, I think it would take even more than that. 
Like a really good time travel paradox? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, my... I don't know. I don't know about time. I don't know about place. But I know about you and how much I heart you. And we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. So that just leaves one last thing for us to do. And that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to make it so. And for Dan to say, keep on trekking. I definitely have spent an inordinate amount of time on Etsy lately looking at Star Trek merch, <laughs> like really creative things and like vintage stuff because there is this vintage windbreaker, like le- it's like a Letterman style jacket, but it's all windbreaker material and it's in science officer blue with a gold uh, crest on it and it is perfection (laughs) but i also found somebody who's doing printed labels on uh like an iphone cable and then a a little wall plug and the wall plug is labeled it has writing on it but the the big end the usb end of the iphone charger has blue and black wrapped around it and then the small end has red on it and it looks like a tiny red shirt and then mccoy on the other end and the two-pronged plug you plug it into is labeled he's dead jim (laughs) (laughs) so good it was real good there's people doing like replicas of specific set dressing things it's like hey do you want to have the mirror from kirk's quarters i'm like i've never noticed that that was anything special and it's like no you can you can have a replica of it it's like 3d printed um uh you know the things that the uh not the klingon ones the the uh you know the lampreys the lampreys Um, (laughs) the larpas yeah yeah the the sherpas um the larpas (laughs) (laughs) You can get a 3D print file to make an exact LARPA replica. That's amazing. I know. I'm just like, this fandom. Because, like, the next-gen stuff will get pretty pretty cool, but the old-school crafting nerds who've been watching Star Trek since the beginning, they're doing, like, crocheted fucking tricorders. They're getting weird with it. <laughs> Don't be sad, our brains are broken. We just get real depressed sometimes. Do 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 do. The world's better with you in it. Hooray! I hope you're recording. Please tell me that we got that. Oh, I am. Okay, good. Joy and friendship, Paul. Right. Oh, God damn it. This is your episode. You can use this. Shit. <laughs> A Secret Weapon Production.